Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and I am in Alaska, still in Anchorage, at the Lakefront Millennium Hotel. As you may have heard last week, the official race headquarters for the Iditarod Trail Sled Dog Race. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard uh, an interview with the Chief Operating Officer and uh, Tom and Christian, who are part of my regular travel crew. I have them up here working on this job. So the ceremonial start and the restart, the official start, have both commenced. They went off, can't say without a hitch. I'll talk about some of the details about that. But now all of the crew, they're all scattered along the thousand mile trail. Right now the race is about one third over as I'm recording this. So I have Tom and his fly pack out in Takatna, which is the uh, lead team. They're with the leaders of the race. And then I have Christian, who's in a checkpoint called McGrath. And then I have Caden with uh, Jordan Caskey. They're uh, traveling with the third fly pack, and they are—they were in rainy yesterday. They're actually in McGrath today, but they're. They're not live streaming since Christian is in the same checkpoint. They will leapfrog up the trail to various locations. Tom going with the leaders, Christian probably somewhere in the middle, and Jordan and Caden in the back of the pack. So you heard a little conversation about the three fly packs that have been deployed. They're similar, not identical. And in addition to those three fly packs, I have my robotic fly pack which is three panasonic robotic cameras and i have three fiber optic um, kits interfaces for them with um, 328 feet of fiber on uh, spools and that got its first broadcast journey on sunday in willow at the restart and the idea was to have tested it beforehand but there were some delays in manufacturing I discussed on previous podcasts. So unfortunately, its maiden voyage was on the official start of the Iditarod. It was very challenging because the weather, while it wasn't cold, was heavy snow. It snowed, I think, 24 inches in the past 24 hours prior to us getting up there, and it continued to snow all day. So trenching cables and dragging cables through the snow and mounting equipment that you know is not necessarily designed to be outdoors was a little concerning i had help luckily had a a small team some locals from anchorage and uh, tom and christian we set up three robotic cameras we ran the fiber backs to the uh, tv stations sat truck which we were strictly using as a transmission and production office it was a little tight i had to put three racks and my wiring into the truck into the you know main production area so we lost a couple of seating positions it was tight but essentially tom myself and an audio operator ran a production um, from there 
It was streamed back on a TVU encoder from the uh, TV station. And then I had a secondary Teradek encoder at their station in Anchorage, and that was transmitting to the web for the Iditarod fans. And that was really just because there's not a lot of broadband pipe out in these parts of Alaska. The best that we could get was an 8 meg upload. So I was thinking about doing split feeds and going directly to my Wowza encoder, but there just wasn't enough to split between the TV station and the Iditarod server and still have some overhead. So I just let it I just let it go out on the Teradek in the station. And there were some other circumstances that uh, played into that. But that was the basic setup. And I was running one laptop for switching via Wirecast. I had a secondary laptop that was set up to do lower thirds and graphics over NDI. And then Tom had the PTZ controllers and the um, ISO record controls in front of him. And I was using an iPad Pro, a 12-inch iPad Pro over Sidecar. That's a new feature of Catalina where you can have multiple iPads as screens to use on your computers. So I had a iPad Pro 12-inch. And I was using Sidecar to send Tom the camera, a four-up camera display from Wirecast as a secondary screen. So he could use that as his um, little monitor so he can see the shots, cue them up, etc., etc., check color, things of that nature. It, it, it worked well in testing. And I don't know if you can sense a little asterisk in my tone. So, you know, we, we tested it prior, worked well. Uh, it was running fine all morning in terms of um, performance and setup. And right around, our broadcast was going to start about 2 o'clock, right around 1.30, I decided I was going to move the graphics laptop, which was on a LAN, Ethernet LAN connection, I was going to move it across the truck to a different console so I could have another person just queue up the graphics, free me up a little desk space, and take one task off my plate. And of course, that was the beginning of some trouble. And I will tell you just how that played out. So I moved the laptop. It's still connected on wireless now um, to my wirecast over NDI but the minute that I moved it the network started to bog and probably because of it was going over wireless and at the time I didn't associate sidecar which was also using the wireless to send the screen and the four images over to it so all of a sudden everything started to slow down the robotic controls were slowing down the network was basically getting maxed out. The problem was the broadcast was about to start and I did not have time for a reboot, which is what I would have had to do. I, I tried moving the laptop back and plugging it in. And of course that didn't work because the network had already taken the hit. 
So prior to the issue with the graphics laptop, one of the cameras, one of my robotic cameras that was set up on the fiber wasn't pulling video over the fiber. It has multiple links. It needs a fiber link, it needs a data link, and it has a video link. And it's all in that multi-pin um, fiber cable. And one of the uh, interfaces was not transmitting video. And I, I couldn't get it to come up. I, I checked the boxes. I checked the, um, the connections. Just could not get it to come up. So one of the things I like about my system is that I have some flexibility in that I could take that camera in over the network connection, which is uh, NDI over Ethernet. So I had two cameras on baseband, and I was bringing in the third as an NDI source. And that worked great, like, you know, very happy with the performance, not too much latency in the picture, and everything seemed okay. But when I went to move the laptop, as I uh, set that up earlier, as I went to move the laptop for the graphics and the network took the hit, the PTZ, which happened to be the talent PTZ, unfortunately, went to low resolution. And this was a 1080 show and it went down to like, you know, 480p resolution. So it had to be scaled up in software. It looked really, really crunchy, really horrible. But as I said, we were going on the air and it was no time to reboot. So I had to go with it. I had to just take the show to air. And luckily it was on a secondary channel for the TV station. I don't, you know, I mean, it wasn't great quality. Let's put it that way because the, the output of Wirecast was also hampered down to, um, I think it was half frame rate because of the performance. So the show did not look great, but I was stuck. I, I couldn't do anything about it unless I was going to go to black and take dead air. So I opted to stick with the show. The tricky part or the concerning part, in, in addition to the quality, was that the CPU spiked and was sustaining 79 to like 85%. And of course, that's trouble that's trouble so the show's going to run about two and a half hours we know that based on the number of mushers and they go off every 90 seconds there's no commercial breaks so it was like just run 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 and we made it like 89 percent through the show almost 90 percent through the show and the laptop crashed rebooted it the i didn't even reboot it i just killed sidecar started Wirecast again, guess what? Everything came up clean. The NDI was at full bit rate. So part of the hit was the Apple sidecar, which I had not seen, but again, without thorough testing, which I didn't have time to do, I didn't know that it uh, would have such an impact on throughput. So with sidecar disconnected, we were, got pictures back at full res, output went back to full res, and the eye went back to full res, and, you know, we finished the show. It was unfortunate. It was unexpected. Um, certainly a lesson learned. Nothing we could do. But the race organizers were understandable, and 
I didn't really hear anything from the broadcast station. I think it was looked at more as a bonus production anyway. So I wasn't too upset about that. I, like I said, I, I chalked it up to lesson learned. In future jobs, I will use my 19-inch Atomos Sumo monitor, which since the last firmware update will take four non-synchronous feeds and display them in a quad, and you can ISO record them to the SSD that's built into the monitor. So that's kind of a win-win because I could ISO record four sources, not have to tax the computer to do it, and then still have my HyperDeck minis doing ISO recordings as well. If the producer wants to walk with an inexpensive SSD without waiting, that's kind of the thought process there. But I didn't have the Sumo, but I will use it next time. And that, you know, is a, is a lesson learned for me. Now we know for next time not to use Sidecar, especially with NDI. And I have to rethink a little bit my network switch, which maybe I need to go 10 gigabit instead of gigabit. But that's a to be determined. On another note, the Unity intercoms, which we used for the first time, seem to work really well. We've been using them on the trail as well, and the camera operators seem to like them. We can all reach each other pretty easily. It's better than FaceTime audio calling or text messaging. There's a paging feature if they're not logged into the app. So that works good. And I've actually expanded the licenses so more people could get on. We're working with the, uh, the foreign rights holder to use um, Unity for them to access some of the cameramen. Uh, for communications and whatnot. So it, that part of it has been surprisingly uh, easy and, and nice to use. Not really any big hitches. Works over cellular, works over Wi-Fi. And that's been a good thing. And then I'll be here for a few more days in Anchorage. And then about a week before the finish, I have to go up to Nome, Alaska, which is pretty close to the Arctic Circle. And I've already air cargoed my road cases with the, ro with the robotic setup to Gnome. So when I get up to Gnome on Monday, I have to set up for the live finish show, which will involve the three robotics and one handheld camera on uh, wireless streaming. And that will get set up on Monday. The finish will happen Tuesday night or Wednesday morning in Alaska. Then the robotics will get um, broken down. We'll use them one more time for the finishers banquet um, where all the finishers of the race get together and they give out awards and the winner gets a big check. And that's the last part of the job. Everything gets packed up. It'll go back to New York on air cargo. One thing that I didn't expect after we had uh, completed the shoot in Willow, the stream in Willow, there was so much snow falling, and even though we had the cases closed, the cases were outside, the gear was outside, the cabling was outside, everything got packed up, it was full of snow, it was cold, it wasn't melting, so it wasn't like wet, wet, but it was frozen or, you know, snow covered, so I got all the equipment into the pickup truck, we had to drive it back, you know, 90 miles to Anchorage, and then I was concerned about being able to bring the stuff into my hotel room and towel it off, dry it out because the hotel rooms are not very big and it would literally probably flood the floor with snow and water melting. So I had to call the hotel operations person. They let me put the 
cases in the boiler room, which was set up for, you know, concrete floor with drainage. So I took all the equipment out. I laid it out on, uh, on a table. I put the, the cases upside down so they would melt out of the case. I brought the cameras into my hotel room, dried them off, let them sit, you know, at like uh, 60 degrees just to um, defrost a bit. And everything, I hope, will be okay. I didn't have time to power it up before we had to load it on air cargo, but everything dried out. So fingers crossed when it gets to know them that everything is good and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, part of any job, I don't care if it's production, streaming, live event, there's always the interaction component with the crew and the producers and the people you have to interface with to get your job done. This job, the Iditarod, brings together a whole cornucopia of personalities and thought processes and just uh, different leadership styles and it's it's a hodgepodge the worlds don't always merge smoothly there are definitely conflicts with personalities I'm not going to get into too many specifics but I did get surprised I, I, I'll, I'll categorize it as trying to be undermined by someone who was working on the production. I don't want to say backstabbed, but it certainly was a undermined, underhanded approach to insulting me. And I would have preferred they set it out in the open in front of me. I would have handled it definitely better. But basically, this person who was hired to work with me on the production as a local resource prior to that had bid to do the job that I was doing. And that would have been the live stream production. And he's done this job in the past. Very knowledgeable guy. He's got a different equipment pack. He uses, um, you know, traditional cameras and a TriCaster and it's just bigger and different. And I think he probably was upset that he didn't get the job. And it was really a question of money more than anything else. He sent in his bid. I was involved in, in deciding whether we were going to hire him or not because the race asked me to evaluate the, the estimates and knowing what their budget was, if we could pull this off any other way. And I basically agreed to do the job for less money to only to fit into what number they had budgeted. And this guy was above that budget number. So I just agreed, I'll bring my stuff up and I'll do it. And I think this local person was upset that he didn't get the job. Uh, instead, he sent an email after the event offering his unsolicited opinion on how the show went and basically threw me under the bus saying that, you know, the equipment wasn't as good as his equipment. I didn't really know what went wrong. I was scrambling and, and he just summarized the problems in a way that wasn't accurate and it did come across sort of underhanded. And these things happen. I mean, I didn't, I, I can't say that I didn't get upset. I was surprised. I was a little depressed that it came to that. Some of the people that he sent the email to don't react uh, in a rational way. They get reactionary to uh, certain situations. And it just, 
it, it injected a lot of additional emotion. It didn't need to be dealt with at that point. And maybe he should have waited to the end of the race. I'm not really sure. If he was asked for his opinion, that would be one thing. He wasn't asked. I, I certainly would have handled it differently. Um, I don't think I would have sent that email that way unless I was asked about it. And I still have to work with this person. I have one more uh, remote to do at the finish with this person. He is bringing gear. I don't know that he knows that I have seen the email. The, um, you know, the race has shared that with me. And um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'll confront him about that or not. I probably will say something just to just to get it out in the open. It was unfortunate, but you know, these are things that come up in in any any relationship, whether it's business, personal. I I don't think I would have went and offered unsolicited opinions in a negative way. Um, if I was asked, I certainly would give a um, unbiased and truthful opinion. And I wouldn't have had any problem with that if he was asked about it. He wasn't asked. I felt like he was throwing me under the bus trying to just take me down a, a level and make himself look a little a little better. But what can you do, right? You can't dwell on it. I have another another broadcast to do with him, so I'll have to evaluate the situation. I'll feel it out. I certainly don't want to pretend it didn't happen. Especially if he's trying to be like, oh, I didn't say anything. So I'll let you know about that next week. Next week will probably be the last week in Alaska for me. I'm going to try to get the um, cameramen who go on the snow machines, the snowmobiles in the lower 48. Um, there are two camera guys that travel the entire trail on snow machines. And they basically can camp or they sleep in checkpoints but they're basically outside in the elements late hours for you know seven to ten days and it's tough it's a tough go and there was a situation this year that came up so hopefully i can share those stories with you next week from alaska this is art aldridge for this week in production do you have something to say drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.